Welcome everybody to another episode of the Podfathers Podcast. I'm Noah Alvarez, your host, and on this week's episode, I have a good friend slash co-worker of mine, Charles, he hops on on the show, and we talk a lot about the wildcard weekend this upcoming weekend. A lot of intriguing matchups, we go over each one of them, we go over our, our favorite teams in each conference, our favorites, and explain the most dangerous teams to watch out for as well. We also talk about some of our biggest surprises and disappointments from the 2018 season as a whole. We also chat a little bit about the NBA and the most recent Jimmy Butler situation. We take a look at the standings in both conferences. We look at some of the biggest surprising teams and players, and we go over some of the more well-coveted rookies of this 2018 season. As always, please like, share, follow us, and subscribe. We're on the big three on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. Speaking of SoundCloud, don't forget to check out Generic Sports, who produces out all the instrumentals and beats that we play in the intros and outros on our podcast. He has a new project out on SoundCloud called Alone Time. It's a compilation of different beats. So you can check him out at SoundCloud.com slash Generic Sports. Now on to the conversation. So it's wildcard weekend here in the NFL, and I'm going to go over some of the wildcard matchups. I'm going to ask you which one's the most intriguing wildcard matchup. On Saturday, we have the Indianapolis Colts at Houston, Seattle at Dallas, the night game. And then on Sunday, the morning game, the Los Angeles Chargers against the Baltimore Ravens. And then the Philadelphia Eagles at the Chicago Bears. Who do you think is going to be the most intriguing wildcard matchup of the weekend? The one that I circled as the most intriguing, I think, is Indianapolis and Houston. I think their teams are the closest as far as defensive rating. I think they're both somewhat in the top 10, top 15. And then their offense, you got Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson always shows up in big games. And I just like Andrew Luck. The last 10 games, what are they won? Like 9-1? and one. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's going to be the, the intriguing matchups to watch is that quarterback play and then how they run their defense. For me, I like the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears. It's kind of the same narrative as last year with the Eagles. They're kind of, you know, Carson Wentz gets injured, Foles comes in. They're playing really good right here at the end of the season. They won the last three games. I think they're the hottest team, and they're going up against the Bears' defenses. Yes, it's really good, but they have a young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. He's unproven. The line on that game is the Bears are favored by six. I think that's pretty oh, wow. high. Yeah. The Bears' defense is really good, but I think they're sleeping on the Eagles, and that's something that was a theme all last year, right, uh-huh. in the playoffs. They were unfavored in the wild card game, unfavored in the divisional round, all the way up to the Super Bowl, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So I don't think they're going to get that far, but I think they're going to be a very good test for Chicago Bears, especially that young offense with a young running back and Tariq Cohen, young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, a first-year head coach, and Matt Nagy. So it's a lot of firsts for the Bears, and we kind of saw the Rams in their mm-hmm. first year last year in the wild card round. They kind of slipped up, so I think the Bears may have a similar... I don't know, understanding how defense wins championships and how well that defense is playing. Mm-hmm. And especially, I don't know, you've seen Mitch Trubisky grow. Nick Foles, I don't know if he has that magic again. Um, and then their defense, everybody's hurt on that, yeah. that back end. And you put that with Matt Nagy, who's probably one of the greatest offensive coaches right now. Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good matchup too. So taking a step back, in the AFC, you have the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots as the bye. We just listed uh-huh. the wild card matchups. And the NFC, we have the Saints and the Rams are the two teams with the bye. In each conference, we'll start with the AFC first. Okay. Who is your favorite to come out of that conference and make it to the Super Bowl? Man, 
I feel like you can never sleep on the Patriots. Um, I'm a Raiders fan, so I'm like a diehard <laughs> Patriots hater um, ever since the tuck rule. But I don't know, man. With Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, I feel, especially what they did last year in the Super Bowl, you can't count them out. But the firepower of Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and what he's doing, that offense, 50 touchdowns, is crazy. So if I had to choose one, I'd definitely pick Kansas City coming out of that. I'm right with you on the Chiefs. I think this is the AFC this year is the most wide open because there's a lot of question marks around the Chiefs defense. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Patrick Mahomes, they have the number one offense. They're a really good running team. They could do it both in the, through the air and on the ground. Their special team is really good. And while their defense hasn't been great, they create turnovers. I wrote it down. They're eighth in turnovers. So they can be pretty good at creating turnovers at least. And you don't want that team to get the ball because when they do get the ball, they're probably going to score. Yeah. So I think Mahomes lights out. I talked about it on some previous podcasts. I think he's a generational type player. We grew up with like Rodgers, Brady, and Breeze. I think Mahomes is that new wave. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be that guy like that we look up to or that a lot of quarterbacks look up to and trying to get to that level. Mm-hmm. On the NFC side of things, who's your favorite? Man, the Saints and Rams both having a bye. I think with the Rams getting that bye it's really going to help them set up what they want to do as far as offensively and defensively. And you just look at the individual defensive players that the Rams have. It's crazy with Ndamukong Sue, Aaron Donald. On the back end, you got Tlaib and Marcus Peters. I mean, with that bye week and enough time to sit down and game plan for it, I think they come out the NFC on top. Yeah, it's like a super team. You don't really see a lot of super teams in the NFL Mm -hmm. because it's hard cap-wise and getting the players, but they have a young enough quarterback. And, um, yeah, it's crazy like, what Sean McVay's done to that team in such a short time. For me, to be honest, I know I kind of talked down on them, but I think it's the Chicago Bears. Yeah. I think if any team can beat any team on the road, you have to rush the passer and you have to play really good defense. Mm-hmm. And I think they can cover really well. They have an elite secondary. I think if they get past the Eagles and Mitch Trubisky just does decent enough because we've seen – Get by. Yeah, we've seen, like, average quarterbacks get to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, whether it's Trent Dilfer – or Rex Grossman, and and other players, so on and so forth, based on their good defense. So I think the Bears have that defense to beat the Saints on the road or the Rams on the road if it gets to that point. I just feel like the Rams are all in. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you saw who they picked up. Next year, they're going to have to pay pay Jared Goff. Right. So they're going to have to start making decisions next year. They're all in this year. They're going to have to do everything they can to get out. My sleeper team in this whole thing is Baltimore, though. Baltimore, you put Lamar Jackson, yeah. that's the next coming of Michael Vick, man. Yeah. And then you got a good defense, what, top three defense on mm-hmm. the back end? On both uh, rushing and passing. Yeah, so now you have to cover Lamar Jackson, and all he has to do is, like you said, maybe get by kind of like what Kaepernick did when he made it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that could be that that team that's coming in underneath yes. under the radar. Similar to Andrew Luck, they've, the Ravens have finished really good. They've winning six of their last seven mm-hmm. going into the season. They were a 4-4 four and four team when Lamar Jackson took over, and he helped them win the AFC North. And my sleeper team, though, is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. You talked about them earlier in their matchup mm-hmm. was the Houston Texans. I think the biggest thing from last year's or last couple of years is Andrew Luck is healthy first. Oh, yeah, 100%. Foremost. We didn't see him all last year. But then they have a really good offensive line. He was only sacked 18 times. And when I saw that, I was like, shit, that's crazy. You know, a lot of other teams are in the 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. Even the good teams, there's teams in the playoffs that have their quarterback sacked 40-plus times. Mm-hmm. So I think protecting their quarterback is huge. Their defense is in top 10 in both defending the pass and rush. Mm-hmm. So they're not elite, but they're really good, and I think they can do a lot of things well. And Andrew Luck, probably one of the smarter quarterbacks in the AFC playoff picture. I think we saw Tom Brady kind of take a divot off mm-hmm. you know, the cliff. 
Um, who knows how Mahomes and that defense could do on the Chiefs. Yeah, that's so, going to be the hard part. You I think figure, Andrew Luck is a scary team or a scary quarterback to face, and the Colts are a scary team. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. What do you think about Seattle and Dallas? Do you feel like there's an upset there? Or do you feel like Dallas is going to just roll over Seattle? See, I've been doing some reading, and I was actually off the – like my gut instinct says Seattle, and I thought it wasn't going to be that close. But seeing some of the statistics lined up, Dallas has a lot going in their mm-hmm. favor. They're really good at home this year. Seven and one. They beat the Saints at home this year. I think that was like That's probably huge. one of the bigger impressive victories of the season. I just don't trust Dak Prescott or any Cowboys player for that matter in like <laughs> big games. Yeah. You know? I know that was a joke against Tony Romo. I just and Dak Prescott, he hasn't really done anything to prove it. If it does turn into like a shootout type game, because we see when the offense is going around Zeke, they do pretty well. Yeah, and he can if throw you the stop ball. Zeke, though. Right, play action. But if the Seahawks can stop Zeke which they struggled to stop the run this year really mm-hmm. badly. But if they do somehow stop Zeke, I mean, they're going to make Prescott pass 30 to 40 times a game. I don't think they're going to do too well. So yeah. I, I got Seattle still, gut instinct. I think my you know, reformed prediction is going to be a lot closer than it is because Dallas is at home and they play so good at home. But I think Seattle still takes that game. Yeah, Russell Wilson's been there, done that. This ain't his first rodeo. I feel like all of that and everything that he's done in the past – along with the, the resurgence of the run game, having Chris Carson out there now. Doug Baldwin's a little bit healthier. So I think those matchups will really play well. I just think, I mean, I don't really love Dallas, but knowing Dallas and their defense and, and what they play behind, I think they'll do a good job. And like you said, defense and a run game, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a recipe to get to the, to the top. So we'll see. Yeah, that was a big thing, too. Last year they had no run game. Russell mm-hmm. Wilson was the leading rusher. And they kind of just had that huge resurgence. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. And the other wild card matchup, we didn't really talk about it. But do you see the Chargers having any chance against the Baltimore Ravens? I know, you know, we're you're a Raider fan. Yeah. And we're, we live in Southern California, and Charger fans are kind of not fans, but the Charger team is known for choking a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you think this isn't any exception this year? I don't know, man. I, I would love to see Phillip Rivers do something in the playoffs. Um, I mean, you just saw they had two all-pro defensive players named. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a great defense. I don't know how healthy Melvin Gordon is coming off. Austin Eckler's still out. Mm-hmm. So, but then you then you look on the outside, you got Mike Williams, you got Keenan Allen. It's going to be a really good matchup, but I'm telling you, defense and run game, with, I just, I'm excited to see what Lamar Jackson does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw him in college step up in big games, and hopefully we'll get to see it this weekend too. Mm-hmm. And this was a matchup we saw – Four weeks ago against uh, the Ravens, where it was a must-win mm-hmm. game, and they won on Sunday night, twenty-three to ten. I believe it was Thursday night, uh, but they won that game. Or I believe it was Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It was a Saturday night game, and the Ravens kind of won that game pretty handily. But I think it's always hard to beat a team twice. Always. So the Chargers do have that kind of edge, but like you said, it's pretty evenly matched because they have some injuries, and that Ravens defense is it's legit. It's legit this year. And that's why that Indy-Houston matchup is so close. They played each other twice already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, third time. Going into the third time, that's going to be a tough matchup. I think that's why it's one of the close. I think the spread's only one point in that one. Yeah, it is. So that so. one's going to be fun in Houston, too. So that'll be interesting. I want to see Andrew Luck come out and on And two dynamic right young quarterbacks, like mm-hmm. you said earlier. And Deshaun Watson, he steps up in big games, too. Yeah. National I... championship. Mm-hmm. Every time he's played a big game, he's shown up. I was actually just watching uh, some daytime television sports show right now. And they're talking about how since high school, Deshaun Watson has never lost in a game more than seven points. And I was like, damn, how do you even look at the stat like that? Yeah. But that shows if he does lose, it's going to be a close game. So be prepared for a good one. And then you got DeAndre Hopkins, who never drops a pass. The guy yeah. dropped zero passes this, this year. year. 
That's an incredible statistic. Mm-hmm. And you know he's getting double coverage because they don't have a second wideout that's really taking away anything. Mm-hmm. They picked up Demarius Thomas, but what has he done? Mm-hmm. He I, got injured, I think. Yeah, and I thought Achilles. he was going to really help out that whole team. And right. That that didn't help out, so it's going to be fun. It's a one-man show. And he's been doing it, I mean, this is kind of like a side shot conversation, but he's been doing it by himself or with really bad quarterbacks for a while now. And a lot of people a lot of people like to throw in Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. and kind of forget about him, mm-hmm. or Julio Jones. But DeAndre Hopkins definitely needs to be up nobody, there. Nobody people. talks about him, man. Mm-hmm. I think he's at least top five easy. Mm-hmm. Probably top three. Mm-hmm. But moving on to the season in review, the season just ended week 17. Both their teams are in the playoffs. I kind of wanted to talk about you know the NFL and some of the biggest surprises, some of the biggest disappointments. And I'll kind of start with you. What were some of your biggest team disappointments in the 2018 season? Oh, shoot. The Raiders have to be <laughs> on top of that one, man. I thought, I don't know, I thought Gruden coming in and then hopefully re-signing Mac and then with Cooper and some of the pieces that we had in 2016. I mean, we made it um, to the playoffs in 2016 kind of with that same roster and just seeing him come in. I think I, I see his vision. I understand his vision. And I think we're two, three years away from what he wants us to be. But knowing where we could have been and just mm-hmm. kind of how he blew up that whole thing, kind of starting from scratch, that was one of the biggest surprises. And then my second one was Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Blake Bortles wasn't the <laughs> best, but just what they did last year and to come out this year and just lay an egg in almost every game that they played, mm-hmm. that was probably my biggest two surprises. Yeah, it was tough for Jacksonville because they gave him that quarterback, um, they gave Bortles that contract mm-hmm. and everyone was kind of hating on him. But then they also did get rid of Robinson and Hearns. They didn't resign them. Yeah. So you took away his two best receivers and kind of throwing a below average quarterback out there, you know, with no one really proven as a receiver or a tight end for that matter. Even his running back, Leonard Fournette. Like, he was I thought he was supposed to do something this year, too. A mm-hmm. hamstring injury one day, two weeks later, hamstring again. Yeah. But to see that defense, that defense was so good last year, not in the playoffs again, it's kind of a little surprising. Yeah. That defense brought Blake Bortles to. To that championship, exactly. to the AFC championship. AFC championship. So you would think that they could have put something together over the offseason to get them back, but mm-hmm. that was surprising to me. For me, at the top of my list and disappointments, I'm going to go with the homer too. The Carolina Panthers, man. It wasn't so much that, you know, going into the season they had a lot of hype, but they started off 6-2. and two. They looked poised to go to the playoffs. It looked like everything was solid. They were starting to get better. North Turner had kind of, you know, implemented himself in the offense and they were using, you know, reverses and triple options and doing different things that they never had done in the past, mm-hmm. so I was excited. And then they went on this seven-game losing streak, and, like, everything kind of seemed to fall apart, and it looked like Ron Rivera was going to get fired, and it just, they were losing games, a lot of close games, but they were losing a lot of games uncharacteristically, you know, yeah. defense was being bad, offense, and then all of a sudden, Cam Newton's shoulder was dead. I don't know if you saw that Monday night game against mm-hmm. the Saints, but, you know, at the tail end of the season, he couldn't even throw the ball 10 yards, so... There was just a whole lot of problems that kind of emerged from that season. It was just really wild to see because, like I said, they were 6-2, and two, and at Week 8, I was like, all right, this is a – I don't know we're how gonna far run. we're going to get in the playoffs, <laughs> but we're going to go to the playoffs. Yeah. And I thought it was for sure a solidified team. The analysts on daytime TV were talking about Cam as a sleeper MVP. So it was just a lot, a whole different storyline. And in the last, the last eight games, eight it just – but Christian McCaffrey, man. Mm-hmm. He's been balling out. He was like the lone bright spot. Yeah. <laughs> He's that lone bright. I had him on my fantasy team, so I really know what he did this year. <laughs> but, man, for him to come out of Stanford and do what he do, doing what he does mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. He had a lot of haters, especially after his rookie season, because he only had like 450 rushing mm-hmm. yards. This year he rushed for over 1,000, and he really kind of, you know, a lot of people said he wasn't a between-the-tackles runner. But this year he really proved it, and he's had some monster games in both the receiving and rushing categories. Mm-hmm. And then also another disappointment, mainly due to the Ravens, was uh, 
the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not so much just on the field, but they had a lot of locker room issues too. I don't think Mike Tomlin's going to escape the offseason because I'm sure more stuff is going to come out with Antonio Brown. More stuff is going to come out probably with other players, but you had Le'Veon Bell's holdout. You had Antonio Brown and the whole dilemma that you had, mm-hmm. especially Week 17. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, like, he's always wanting to retire at the end of the season, so yeah. who knows if this was his last season. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be in for a remake, and to see them not in the playoffs is kind of weird. Yeah, that one's huge. I, I really looked at that one, and you think of Pittsburgh and New England and some of these teams. Like, that's the epitome of how an organization should be run. And then to hear, first off, with Le'Veon Bell, yeah, I get it. He wants to get paid. They're holding out. But the whole thing with Antonio Brown this mm-hmm. week and these last couple of weeks, like that, that's very surprising, mm-hmm. especially from a team that's run by Mike Tomlin. And I, I felt like he was always a player's coach and can kind of relate to the players that he's um, talking to and then also be that middleman for the organization. So to see kind of all the issues that are coming out of that, and like you talk about Ben Roethlisberger wants to retire every other year. So that's going to be surprising. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Minnesota this year? I thought that was a bit of a surprise, too. I mean, they paid Kirk Cousins all this money. It was all guaranteed, too, a three-year $84 million, if I remember that number correctly. Mm-hmm. But last year, they got all the way to the NFC Championship, and they were just – you seem like they were right on the brink, and they just needed an uh, elite quarterback yeah. or a better quarterback than Case Keenum mm-hmm. to take them over that hump. And this year, they kind of digressed. Um, watching their offense, they just seemed really unfluid. They couldn't get any run game going. Kirk Cousins was getting sacked a lot. He looked bad, mm-hmm. causing some dumb fumbles. or you know, He yeah. looked bad. He looked uncomfortable, though. So I think I still have belief in them that they can turn it around next year with a proper offensive coordinator and a better offensive line. But I don't know. That team was kind of like the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars where they were there, and they took I a step I thought back. they made enough moves in the offseason. Like you said, they picked up a decent quarterback, one that's better than Case Keenum, and I thought that was a missing piece to get them over that hump. They had a very formidable defense. Mm-hmm. They had a run game with Dalvin Cook. Um, they got Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. I feel like Thielen disappeared yeah. when Diggs came back. And so I don't know what, what happened over the offseason with the offensive coordinator, but I thought that team was literally on the brink of going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, like you said, the Jaguars and the Vikings, one of the bigger disappointments from teams that were right there in the championship picture last year in the conference championship. As far as player disappointments, is there anyone that stood out to you that had a disappointing season this year? Um, biggest one, I guess, Eli Manning, man. I feel like, look, you pick up a run game, you pick up Saquon Barkley, okay? That's going to take ease off the rest of your offense, right? Mm-hmm. You can set up the play action. You can get the in-between game going. And for the whole fact that he, they still look the same yeah. from the year prior. And you got probably one of the best running backs in the league right now behind you. You would hope you can lean on that and kind of take you through the season. But mm-hmm. then you got a number one wideout in Odell. You got pieces around Sterling Shepard. What's that tight end's name? Uh, I forgot his Ingram, name. Something yeah. Ingram. Evan he's, Ingram. Yeah, Evan Ingram. He's really good, too. So I thought they were going to actually be a surprise this year. But they're more of my disappointment this year than anything. Yeah, he's he's definitely closer to retirement, Eli Manning is, than you know, past his prime. Because, like you said, Saquon Barkley thought some of the ease would be taken off of him and getting that run game going. But it was a lot of the same. And it just it was ugly. I think both Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, I get their frustrations, especially mm-hmm. Odell. He's kind of voiced them publicly. But he has every right to be frustrated because, you know, he's a top three, top five wide receiver mm-hmm. and his quarterback can't even get on the ball. So a lot of that goes outside Eli Manning too, I'm yeah. sure. Coordinator scheme and offensive line. But mm-hmm. still Eli Manning, a lot of that goes on him. My biggest, One of my bigger disappointments is probably Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he, had his, uh, he, had a lot of, he had a lot of career lows. Second low in career touchdowns, second low in interceptions, or highest interceptions thrown since 2013. Um, his lowest yardage total of his career. And I thought, 
you know, Stafford always kind of that verge. He's kind of like Kirk Cousins where a lot of teams, a lot of analysts would say, you know, mm-hmm. is he elite? He was kind of in that conversation where he was right on the cusp of mm-hmm. being considered elite. Yeah. And this year he took a te- step back. And the Lions suffered because they went 6-10. Si- and ten. They had a run game, so I thought, you know, with Carryon yeah. Johnson, mm-hmm. there would be a better offense. They'd click more and they'd get to the playoffs. But this year they took a step back. I know they have a new coach in Matt Patricia, but it just seemed like things fell apart for the Lions, mainly due to Matthew Stafford's poor play. I think I, I agree. I think the biggest thing that I took away was having Matt Patricia come over. I thought he was going to insert some of the things that he learned in New England to kind of mm-hmm. take Matthew Stafford to that next level. You're coming from Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, so you get to see a lot of that inside stuff that that Matthew Stafford never got to see. So I was hoping, like you said, with on Johnson really stepping up and 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 setting that uh, the run game up, that he would he would do what he normally does. He throws for like four thousand yards every yeah. season, so. Now you got a run game again. You think it'll open up everything else, but I think with Matt Patricia, though, you give him a couple years there to kind of instill some of the things that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be a better team in the in the future. Moving on to the flip side of things, we were just talking about disappointments, the surprises. What were some of the biggest surprises? Actually, I'll start this one off. And this team's in the playoffs. The Seattle Seahawks. They lost so much in the off season, from Cam Chancellor to Michael Bennett to. Uh, Richard Sherman, they almost lost Earl Thomas. Then they did lose him in you know week four due to a leg injury. They had the worst rushing. What was it? I wrote. Yeah, they had the 29th worst rush running attack last season to the first. You know their first, the best run game this season. Wilson was rushing a lot more last season. He was getting sacked a lot more this year. He's still getting sacked, but he hasn't had to run the ball. So it's a complete flip. I really didn't think this team was going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I thought this team was going to be in the top ten, picking in the top ten in the yeah. next year's draft. But they really surprised me how Pete Carroll was able to turn that thing together with a lot of kind of no-name players again. Mm-hmm. That's something he did when the Legion of Boom first came mm-hmm. up. All those guys were like third, fifth, and you know later round picks. He did that kind of again this year, and with the pieces that he had, he was able to put it together a winning team, which was really impressive. You said it best. I think it falls on Pete Carroll. Man. Mm-hmm. The things that he's done in his career from every step that he's taken from college into now, and like you said, created the Legion of Boom out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know what happened with that team. And the, another dysfunctional thing that I never pictured with, like you said, Cam Chancellor leaving, just the the anger that Earl Thomas had. And even when he broke his leg, yeah. flipping off his teammates. It looked bad. Getting carted off the field. So it's surprising to hear all that. But just to see him in the playoffs, just I feel like it falls on, on Pete Carroll and the things that he does with that team. Mm-hmm. I guess some of the – I have quite a few surprises. But the biggest one was James Conner, Philip Lindsay, and Eric Ebron. Oh, yeah. Those three alone. So Eric Ebron was one foot out the NFL. I didn't think yeah. any team was going to pick him up after what he did over there in Detroit. And then he just shows up with Andrew Luck. And first what he had probably like eight touchdowns in his mm-hmm. first eight games. And then Jake Doyle comes back, so he doesn't get a lot of love. And then Jake Doyle gets hurt again. And now he's back <laughs> scoring touchdowns every other week. And then Phillip Lindsay, man, out of undrafted. nowhere. Undrafted. Undrafted. That's the first undrafted player to make it to the a Pro Bowl. Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that's super impressive And how small he is. I think he's like 5'7", 185 pounds. Small little dude. You don't see that in the NFL. And mm-hmm. he, he's toting the rock in between the tackles, in between the guards, outside. They, they can do anything with Philip. And on a dysfunctional Broncos team, too. Uh-huh. That was kind of like very hot and cold. With Case Keenum. I yeah. mean, you go back to talking about Case Keenum, and I feel like he just... He, he was another surprise. I was hoping like he could step into Denver and kind of help him out, mm-hmm. solidify something in, in the quarterback room. But, you know, I guess uh, John Elway doesn't know how to pick quarterbacks yet. <laughs> yeah. One of my surprising, going back to surprising players, Derwin James, the rookie out of oh, uh, Florida State. 
I remember watching the draft, and I, I wrote for a Raiders website at the time, and I remember when the Raiders pick came up to the board, I, a lot of people were saying, let's pick Derwin James, let's mm-hmm. pick Derwin James on Twitter. And I thought they were. It seemed like a perfect fit, a guy who could do a little bit of everything in the secondary, and they passed up on him. And then the Chargers ended up with him like a few picks later. But he's probably been the best rookie, maybe outside of Darius Leonard, the linebacker mm-hmm. from the Colts. But he's put on a tremendous rookie season, having three interceptions, lead the team in tackles with 105, three and a half sacks, and he can play up in the box, play a single high, man coverage, everything. He can blitz really well. Like this guy can do it all. And I didn't. I don't think any. A lot of us didn't expect that. No, that man's a freak athlete. Just mm-hmm. like look, watching him play, like you said, he'll play in the box, play the run, drop back into cover two. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll hit people. Yeah. He'll, he'll make plays in the backfield. He'll rerun and fly up and hit you. He's been really impressive. I got to see him live not too long ago, and just watching his overall game, mm-hmm. he's a standout. He's going to be here for a long time. He reminds me of a bigger Troy Polamalu. Yep, that's exactly who it reminded me of when I was talking or watching him play. He can just step up, create havoc. You got to know where he's at at all times. Mm-hmm. Another surprising team, I guess, is also in the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles. Especially in the midpoint of the season, it seemed like everything was falling apart. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, Jay Ajayi, Darren Sproles was out for some time. They've been using a series of different running backs. They lost like all their starting secondary, and there was a yeah, couple games where they got like torched by Dak Prescott mm-hmm. and some lower end quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden, Nick Foles comes in because Carson Wentz injured. It looks like. They're just throwing in the towel at that point. Uh-huh. And then Nick Foles kind of goes on, wins it's those magic, last three man. games. <laughs> exactly. He has that touch, you know, and he's able to put them in the playoffs. And that's why I said, you know, earlier, I think they're a dangerous team uh-huh. because, you know, something about him and that team. And I think to- Coach Doug Peterson really works well with Foles and they work well with each other. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing in the offseason. Let's say Foles does take them at least to the NFC championship or something. He's not coming back, though. I, it makes an interesting discussion. <laughs> it does. Though, you know? I know it does. It makes but Carson Wentz is a future. You look at Carson Wentz. If if you're starting your team, who do you pick? Carson Wentz or Nick Foles? No, of course Wentz. <laughs> you know, but but it, it will be a dynamic that they're really gonna have to talk about. Mm-hmm. And with you know, looking at the draft, there's not a lot of quarterbacks coming out. Mm-hmm. You're looking free agency. There's not a lot of free agent quarterbacks. There's I, gonna be teams that are gonna be looking to Foles and mm-hmm. hopefully bring some of that magic to to their team. I think the argument for Foles is he could still be the guy for three, four years. Mm-hmm. You can get probably a lot for wins because you mentioned there's not a lot of good quarterbacks coming out now. So a team like the Bucks or the team that has a, a little bit of a quarterback uh, question mark, mm-hmm. they can you can trade to them to them and get a lot back in return for Wentz. And Wentz has been injury prone. I mean, in the first two seasons, he's been missed a couple, few games mm-hmm. here and there. So I don't know. I know he's not. You know, the Foles not the long term answer like Wentz is. But maybe he's Foles is just kind of your replacement guy. Maybe three four drafts down the road till you find your guy and you can get a lot back that in makes return. makes a lot of sense too. I didn't think about it like that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you want to use him as a trade bargain and kind of get some first round picks hopefully or something for a team that's really needy in the quarterback uh, situation, that'd be interesting to hit, see. So we can go into the awards talk and there was a lot of standout guys and the MVP conversation was really fun because it was a lot of, you know, it was mostly three players and then it kind of narrowed down to two. But who do you think your MVP is, or who wins MVP at the end of the season? Overall, man, I would love it to go to a defensive player. <laughs> I'm very defensive-minded, but, you know, it doesn't matter what they do on that side of the ball. I, Patrick Mahomes, man. Mm-hmm. The, the stuff that he did, the no-look passes, the left-handed passes, the sprinting right, throwing the ball 50 yards down the field is just very impressive. Mm-hmm. He's only in the second year. Yeah. That's crazy. It's first year starting, too. First year starting, so... Uh, hands down, I would give him the MVP vote on my side. Yeah, from what it seems like and what analysts will say is that he's like the Steph Curry of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry kind of came in, took these deep shots, would do these you know between-the-leg things and the, the high-scooping layups. 
And he kind of changed the game at, you know, right before us. I think Mahomes is kind of an example of that. From the NFL side of things, you know, like you said, the sidearm mm-hmm. to the left hand. He's mobile, but he's not like run. He's not a run yeah. first quarterback, but he can run if he need to. And he has a crazy talented arm. So I think so too. And anytime you throw five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns, I mean, doesn't I think, happen often. What is it like one of the only two, three? I players think three to players. Do it? Yeah, three players who do it. So that's crazy. I think he has that locked in the bag. Uh, rookies of the year. Who's your offensive rookie of the year? 100% Baker Mayfield, man. I love Saquon Barkley. I was a running back growing up, and the stuff that he does is ridiculous. But Baker Mayfield is winning games <laughs> in Cleveland. Like, yeah. you cannot deny that on any sense of the realm. Like, mm-hmm. they've been looking for somebody for years now. For so long. And for him to come in and solidify that, take that job after <laughs> Hugh Jackson was saying, he's not the starter, he's not the starter, he's not the starter. He comes in, takes the job, and his attitude and, and the way he carries himself, I love it. He's a gamer, man. Mm-hmm. He's a real down-to-earth gamer, and he wants to win, and he's bringing that team and getting some wins this year. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. A lot of people knocked on that attitude as kind of cockiness, but I always saw it as confidence. He has belief mm-hmm. in himself and his abilities, and like you said, he's a win-first type of gamer. That's the kind of guy you want on your team, and I thought for – the Browns will turn around at all. You need a quarterback like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees football as a thing first. And I'm glad they got rid of Hugh Jackson. And whoever they do bring in, I think they have a lot to work with with mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield. That was my pick, too. I think Barkley makes his case, but Baker Mayfield, just for turning that Browns team yeah. around. They were in the playoff picture until, like, what, the last two uh-huh. weeks of the season when they finally got eliminated. But, you know, to see the Browns be good again is, is truly something because for the last 10 years they were yeah. irrelevant. Um, defensive side of the rookie. I mean, I I can't say that I watched enough Darius Leonard play, but like watching his highlights and watching some of the commentary on TV, the man can play. Mm-hmm. To be the middle linebacker, to be an all-pro, mm-hmm. man, there's a lot of players in the NFL. To be named all-pro as a rookie speaks volumes to mm-hmm. your game. So the fact that you can you can do that, you go into a defense and you really help solidify a lot of that stuff. Indianapolis never had a good defense. Mm-hmm. This guy's creating sacks. They, they never have any, anybody on the D-line that really uh, created a lot of sacks. He helped out on, on all levels of that defense, and, and I think it's what helped them get to the playoffs where they're at now. I think it's going to be yeah, between him and Darren James. Leonard makes a stronger case because he led the NFL in tackles too. So just what he's done, especially from a small school, he was from, uh, I think it was South Carolina State mm-hmm. that he's from. So it's like a you know small school kid, you know picked in the second round. A lot of small school kids sometimes do well in the NFL, but – a lot of times, often. not very often, it doesn't translate. But he was translated immediately, and like you said, kind of even during the Peyton Manning era, they never really had a really good defense. Mm-hmm. And this could be something you know really good for Andrew Luck going forward if the Colts can build around Leonard and keep making home run picks mm-hmm. like that. I think James, like I said, though we we talked about it a little earlier, as surprising players, I, I think he makes a strong case too because he he led his team in tackles. He had the sacks, he had the interceptions, the pass deflections. He could cover in the box. You can do a lot of things, too. I think both those rookies are really – it's going to be two-headed monster. I, li- I like Derwin James a lot, but he's got a lot of pieces around him on that defense, too. Mm-hmm. You look at Desmond King. You look at uh, Bosa on the line, That's Melvin true. Ingram. He's got a lot of pieces to help him out and can kind of simplify the game a little more coming in as a rookie. I feel the fact that Darius Lander comes in from a small school, you're playing middle linebacker, and you're in charge of everybody pretty much as a middle linebacker on defense. So for him to take on that workload – and, and to stand out on top mm-hmm. of that, I think, I mean, kind of helps solidify an argument for him to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. So speaking of some rookies, and we'll kind of transfer this over to the NBA, 
last season in 2008-17 season it was Donovan Mitchell it was Jason Tatum it was Ben Simmons in his kind of rookie year mm-hmm. there was a lot of rookies taking the year by storm and it was a lot of teams taking the year by storm whether it was the Pacers or the Utah Jazz and there was a lot of surprising mm-hmm. teams in this year it's only been you know about 35 to 36 games in for most teams Who's been the biggest standout player, kind of a big surprise player that you didn't see coming and having a big year? Rookies. We're talking rookies, rookies yeah. Uh, if we're talking rookies, Luka. Mm-hmm. Luka is huge. Um, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I know the Suns aren't doing much, but they run probably 50% of their offense through him. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the, the amount of work that he's doing in mid-game, the post-game, rebounds. And then the kid that nobody really talks about, they really – didn't even get drafted was Alonzo Cheer. Yeah. The dude out of Arizona. Yeah. Comes over to the Knicks. I think he's starting now. Mm-hmm. I think th- those three are huge to me. They're, they're really standing out. There's the guy in the Clippers, too. I, I, I agree with Luka Doncic, man. He's put himself on the map. He's essentially like the Donovan Mitchell this year. But there's a guy in the Clippers, Shy Giglius Alexander. Oh, yeah. The dude with the long last name. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Clippers were kind of a surprise team. And I'll, I'll talk about that more yeah. later. But. He was a you know a, a quiet pick out of Kentucky, mm-hmm. and if there is such a thing, right. and he's into the starting lineup now, and he's done really well in a short amount of time. A lot of people didn't think he was ready to be a starter or play so many minutes right away, mm-hmm. but he's kind of converted really fast and been ahead of schedule and really been a surprise for a Clippers team that's been a surprise as well. Yeah, I watched that Lakers-Clippers game, and watching his game, he picks and chooses his spots very well. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's very efficient in what he does. He doesn't try to do too much. He doesn't have to take on a lot of responsibility, too, with a, a lot of the, the veteran players around him. Mm-hmm. But I like how he picks and chooses his spots and when to kind of get his points and, and when to distribute. So I, I, I like that pick, too. Outside of rookies, who else has been a surprise to you in the NBA this thus far? Man, um, I, just, I just watched James Harden last <laughs> night. I know he was the MVP last year. Mm-hmm. But what he did last night against Golden State, they were down by 25 points. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Paul's out. He's Eric hitting, Gordon was out. Yeah, Eric Gordon's out. He's hitting clutch three after three. He's hitting the foul line 23 times sometimes. Like, It's ridiculous what that man is doing with his game right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's been playing at an MVP level. I saw something, too, where he has he's had 10 straight games of 30-plus more points. And if he continues going, has like a month. Remember back in Kobe, you did it in 2007 yeah. where he had a whole month where he averaged like close to 40 points a game. That's something that's never been done before. But Harden's kind of on that path right now. He's kind of getting close to it. Uh, for me, it's it's the Nuggets point guard, Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. He's been having a lights out year. He's playing. He's always played with such confidence coming from Kentucky. But in his third year now, he's really seemed like it's all clicked for him. He's averaging career high in points, rebounds, and assists. And he's shooting lights out from three. And, and like I said, it's that confidence. I think that's a huge thing for a lot of players. Yeah, You can be good, talented, but if you don't have the confidence to go from college to the pros any sport it's going to be tough for him and he's really found that confidence now and he's had the nuggets at the top seat of the west mm-hmm. no that's a huge one I, I really didn't think about jamal only because i'm a laker fan and you know the whole lonzo jamal beef so mm-hmm. um i never thought about him putting him in that picture but yeah if you look at the nuggets and what they're doing and the talent that they have on that roster if they can stay healthy they're, they're going to be one of the top 10 even though even though they already are a top team i, I can see them continuing that that path that they're down right now so I'll go over some of the standings, and I'll ask you who surprises you most where they're at. In the Eastern Conference, you have the Bucks, the Toronto Raptors, the Indiana Pacers, the three seed, four, the 76ers, five Celtics, six Miami Heat, seven Hornets, and the eight Pistons. Out of those eight teams, if the playoffs were to start today, um, who kind of surprises you and where they're at? 
Um, the biggest surprise I think is the Bucks, man. I love Giannis and what he's doing, and I think they got some depth and bringing in Brooke Lopez kind of helps out at that center mm-hmm. position. If that man can ever develop a three-point shot, Giannis. he will be unguardable, man. Um, the other one is how low the Celtics are. I thought, you know, with all the young kids there and all the experience they got in the playoffs last year, you bring in Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward's healthy. I thought that they would start clicking a lot sooner, um, and I thought that they would they would be at the top of the East. And then, I mean, the 76ers, sorry. The 76ers, and, and did you see what came out today about yeah, him? Yeah, whole Jimmy Butler. I mean, what is that? I don't know Jimmy Butler personally, but a lot of the stuff that's been coming out, man, doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't shine a great light on him. So those are my biggest surprises for the East. Yeah, I was rooting for Jimmy Butler. I mean, just his story. He was like an undrafted yeah. guy, or not undrafted guy, really low draft pick. Out of high school, he was really low recruited. No D one offers. Community college went to Marquette, and even at Marquette, he wasn't a standout player at mm-hmm. all. So to see him kind of have like the little, you know, just be so outspoken about certain things, it, I don't know. It just seems like he's kind of putting his teammates on blast, cutting coaches on blast. It seems like nothing's a good fit for him now. Yeah, I don't know what, what team do you look at where he could fit in and, mm-hmm. and and be the man and and still be able to be the way he is. That's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with that. They've kind of fallen off a little bit, but one of my surprises has been the Raptors. I knew getting Kawhi Leonard was going to be huge, but I didn't think it'd be that huge for them. Mm-hmm. And at, at one point in the season, they were the number one team in the East. Obviously, it's still early, but they were really clicking on all cylinders. Kyra Lowry looked like a whole different... Jonathan Valanciunas looked like a whole different mm-hmm. player with Kawhi Leonard. So that team has really meshed around Kawhi Leonard, and you know they dumped off DeRozan. And I think that's a huge upgrade because Kawhi Leonard, in the postseason, he's going to give you... Mm-hmm. you know, he's won a finals MVP, so you know what he can do in the postseason where guys like DeRozan in the past have previously choked in the playoffs and haven't mm-hmm. played their best basketball. So I think that's a huge thing going forward for them. And then, like you said, the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, that's always a surprise, too, because last year they were, it seemed like that team that's on the rise, but they mm-hmm. haven't put it all together yet. And even though Giannis can't shoot, it seems like they got shooters all around him. Yeah. Even Brooke Lopez. and He's dude, shoot three at dude's, seven feet. <laughs> exactly. He's seven feet tall, and he can shoot threes like with consistency mm-hmm. now. So it's a pretty scary team, I think, if they can get better defensively and like Giannis can do a little bit better you know, pulling up. Not it has to be three, but kind of just giving him respect from those long twos. I mean, he's he's such a dangerous player. You've seen that man develop his game every year. I think you give him one more off season where he can focus on his three point shot and that mid range game. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's in the MVP conversation right now. But like I said, what Harden's been doing is really impressive. Give him another year in the off season. I think he he's right up there. So moving on to the Western Conference side of things, going over the standings. Currently at number one, the Denver Nuggets. Two, Oklahoma City Thunder. Three, Golden State Warriors. Four, Rockets. Five, the Trailblazers. Six, Clippers. Seven, the Spurs. And the eight seed are Los Angeles Lakers. Hey. <laughs> Who is the biggest surprise in those standings right now? Biggest surprise, Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they have a lot of role players. I feel like they're a team full of role players, and Doc Rivers is doing amazing work with that. Because I felt like they've all bought in and they've all accepted their role and they're really putting things together and they're clicking mm-hmm. and they're making a lot of noise. And Montrez Harrell, man, I love his game and the passion that he plays with. Mm-hmm. I never really watched him until I watched that Laker Clipper game the other day. <laughs> and, and he really stood out to me, just his passion and the way he plays the game. Uh-huh. And not only that, the Spurs, man. I, I mean, like you said, the Raptors upgraded with Kawhi. I felt like the Spurs downgraded getting DeMar. But I feel like DeMar is a perfect fit with Popovich. DeMar is a quiet guy. He'll do what you ask of him. He got his first triple-double yesterday. I mean, I know he's playing the Raptors, so he's a little more mm-hmm. more behind that game. But for Pop to get everybody to buy in 
as he always does. Lamarcus Aldridge playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was his name? Dejounte Murray, the guy that yeah. got hurt. He was he was supposed to be a big piece this year, mm-hmm. and then for him to go out at the beginning of the year, I didn't see them kind of going on the run that they're on right now. They're probably what top five in offense, top five in defense right now. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. That was the biggest surprise to me when the whole Kawhi Leonard situation went down and he was unhappy in San Antonio. Because like you said, Popovich can make all the players kind of buy into his system. And it seemed like like the Steelers and the Patriots, we talked about them, how they were like the kind of model franchise. Mm-hmm. So when Kawhi was like, I don't want to play for you guys. I'm going to sit the whole year. Trade me. That kind of stuff last year was kind of a surprise. And to see them get the Rosen and kind of be back on track to where there was. I'm glad to see that because the Spurs mm-hmm. are that like model franchise. And even though they won't be a top four seed this year maybe mm-hmm. they'll still be a, a team that everyone kind of fears a little bit come yeah playoff you don't time. want to play them in the playoffs no matter mm-hmm. what seed you are but speaking back to the clippers same thing like you said doc rivers done a lot of magic with that team tobias harris is their leading scorer mm-hmm. i mean he, he was a, a bus consi- he was considered a bus yeah. when he was with the detroit pistons so it was a complete turnaround from this team kind of like the seahawks in football i thought the clippers were going to be kind of in a lottery team mm-hmm. that they're going to be picking in the top 10 because there was no superstar. I thought they were going to be trying to save up that salary cap for next year when Kawhi Leonard's a free agent or Klay Thompson's a free agent. But no, it looks like, you know, I think it makes it all more appealing to come to the Clippers now because they have some good role players from Harris to Harold to Patrick Beverly to Avery Bradley and all the guys that they yeah, have Milo on the roster. Gallinari, they got, they I got love some, watching Bobon play. Yeah, well, I guy that. can't jump. But he, <laughs> he's, he's so fun, tall. Uh-huh, he's fun to watch. Yeah. He can't run down the court very fast, but if you get, get him in the paint, ain't no one stopping him, man. Mm-hmm. If he can get a little quicker, man, he could be the next Shaq or uh-huh. something. <laughs> That'd be interesting. But it's been, a, it's been a fun season. I think going back to exciting players, we didn't talk about Luka Doncic that much. But, yeah. man, that guy, I think he already – Unless we see another resurgence from Trey Young or some other guys mm-hmm. that were drafted this year, Luka Doncic I think has already kind of stapled himself with all the moments and clutch shots he's had as like rookie of the year this year. Yeah, as a rookie, you're coming in, you just want to fit in, man. Sometimes I feel it's like you know, keep your head down, grind, don't stand out too much. That kid, he's himself. You mm-hmm. see, he's having fun with the game. He's sitting on the bench laughing with his teammates, and then he's going in and hitting clutch three pointers, fading away into the to <laughs> the, the opposite team's bench, like. You, you don't see that from a rookie very often. So for him to come in and do that is very impressive, especially after the offseason where he wanted to train on his own in, in his home country. And there was a lot of speculation with that. Mm-hmm. So for him to come in and showcase that he can, can battle with anybody and can play with anybody is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a great role model like Dirk Nowitzki, who was also an international mm-hmm. superstar, kind of as a mentor. I mean, when they made that pick, the Dallas Mavericks did, I thought that was a great fit for him because Maverick. Um, it's hard for an international superstar to come overseas, and a lot of times you do see it not always work out. Mm-hmm. But Nowitzki's kind of been through those ropes, and he can kind of guide him through the, all the off court stuff, off the off the court stuff, mm-hmm. the language barriers that he kind of faced, and help Luka Doncic do the same thing during his rookie year and his career. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, I definitely. He if he stays on this trajectory, he should be the the rookie of the year for sure. So. Just really quick, too. I know Jimmy news, Jimmy Butler news just hop out this morning. Mm-hmm. Do you think he gets traded before the trade deadline and the Sixers end up dealing him somewhere? I don't think so. Only because if you do, you got to look at the team that they have now. Mm-hmm. What they did in the playoffs last year. You know, they had Embiid and Simmons, and that kind of propelled them into the to the atmosphere of getting in the playoffs and competing. Now you add a piece like Jimmy Butler, who's an all star. You feel like. There, there's got to be a way to work around it. You sit down, you hash out any conversations you have to hash out, mm-hmm. and you draw a line and you move forward. And I think if they can do that, 
I think that's a scary team to see in the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. It's funny too because I was listening to a JJ Reddick podcast. He has his own podcast, mm-hmm. and he had Jimmy Butler on board, and it seemed from the conversation Butler was really happy to be in in Philadelphia, and he was really liking it there. It was he was only three weeks there mm-hmm. at the time of that recording, but to see it kind of kind of melt down and the coach and stuff like that, it is kind of surprising to see. And they did. The Sixers had to give up quite a bit. They gave up their two best shooters in Covington and Sarge. Mm-hmm. That's a team that doesn't really shoot well because, you know, Embiid can kind of shoot, but Simmons yeah. can't shoot at all. So there's some guys, you know, that they gave up that were quality role players. If they do have to trade Jimmy Butler again, I don't see them getting back in Anything, return yeah. to what they lost originally. So, like you said, I think they're going to have to hash it out, but it is going to be something to keep an eye out going forward, how that situation progresses. And especially Jimmy Butler is going to have to sit down and look himself in the mirror and be like, hey, you know what, they're – there's this perception of me outside of the organization that I'm not a I'm a good teammate, mm-hmm. and so if he doesn't learn to sit down and hash out some of the the differences that he has, he's gonna have that perception even if he gets traded and going into free agency. And this mm-hmm. is a big year for him, right? So he literally has to showcase, hey, you know what? I can be a good teammate. I can help somebody get to the playoffs, and and I can and I can ball out. Mm-hmm. And if he could do that, I, I feel like a, a team will pick him up next year, and he might get re-signed. Who knows? Yeah, if this continues, though, I think he will lose himself a lot yeah, of money right now. Definitely. The whole Timberwolves situation—you kind of see that aspect of it. They were kind of hard-headed, didn't want to let him go. Mm-hmm. They were wanting to hang on to him, um, but now it just kind of seems like maybe, hey, maybe you're the problem. Maybe mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's the problem. And do we want to pay this guy all the money? Do we gotta give him max contract money? So. He definitely has something to work on going forward with the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Noah Alvarez here with the Podfathers podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Charles as we went over some of our favorites heading into this wildcard weekend, some of our favorites to reach the Super Bowl, some of the disappointments and surprises in the 2018 NFL season, and also going over some of the surprises and disappointments in the NBA season as they have made their way through about 35 to 36 games for most teams. Again, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud.com. Please like, share, follow us, and leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in, and until next time, it's Noah Alvarez signing off.